panic is erupting basically around the world because the coronavirus seems to be substantially worse than previously thought. Now, I did a segment the other day talking about it, and I stand by it. I think this is a lot of hype. Everybody needs to calm down. It's probably not as bad as everyone thinks it is. When I was younger, we went through like bird flu and swine flu and SARS. So it is serious. Okay, don't 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 act like everything's okay. Take care of yourself. But I do think the media is definitely overhyping this. However, the entire city of Wuhan has been locked down. Three different cities, is my understanding. 18 million people are under quarantine with one person telling the BBC it feels like the end of the world. Authorities are locking things down. People are struggling. They're like fighting over food in, in supermarkets. There's a serious panic. I've got photos and videos. I'm going to show you this stuff. There's like dudes wearing hazmat suits with like spraying some kind of gas in the public to like sterilize things. There's tons of videos popping up of people being carted away in emergency vehicles. I got to say, as much as I want to really say, I think things are being overhyped. It does really feel like the beginning of a zombie apocalypse movie. And I I really do mean that. I know it sounds silly, but these, these photos and videos that are popping up of people laying in the street, being picked up and carried away, people in hazmat suits, man, it is kind of freaky. But now we get to the really freaky part. The conspiracy theories that are popping up as news of the coronavirus spreads. You see, in an article going back, where, where, where's this article at? This is an article going back to 2017 from nature.com. Inside the Chinese lab, poised to study the world's most dangerous pathogens, maximum security biolab is part of a plan to build a network of BSL-4 facilities across China. We'll read this, but I want to, to cover the news first. The general conspiracy theory going around is either that China's biolab had a leak and this is a manufactured pathogen now spread or not. It's just, it's a leak now spreading around. They're claiming that it came from exotic meats, potentially in like a meat market. But some people believe maybe the result of a a leak, a contamination coming out of this research facility. The next big conspiracy theory, and again, these are conspiracy theories. I'm telling you about them. No, I don't believe them. It's uh, uh, um, a breach from the bio lab is possible. People are talking about it, but let's not overly speculate. But I am going to tell you about the one big idea people seem to be having. They think it's on purpose because they want China to, you know, screw with Hong Kong or something. Everybody needs to calm down. The most important thing is why I think these conspiracy theories are way overhyped and not likely is that this is not an extremely deadly pathogen. Okay. You get sick right now. They're saying 18 people have died. Everyone needs to just chill for a minute because we've seen these things before and they never end up being really that bad. The media is driven by shock and outrage. I'm sure many of you clicked this video like, oh man, massive quarantine. Now we're going to watch it. But I'm going to tell you just, you know, be chill about it. I will say before we read in the news, that doesn't mean you should not take precautions. As I always tell people, you've got band-aids in your cabinet, right? How often do you really use them? Okay, you, you probably don't, but you do have them because you know at some point you might need it. So what, what I always tell people is, listen, have some backup food, have some first aid kits, whatever, have some backup water stored somewhere safe. Not because you think the world is going to end, but because, I mean, you got, you got band-aids, right? Right. That's exactly the point. So let's read the news and figure out what's really going on. And we'll read about this bio lab to see if there's anything to this theory that potentially there was potentially a breach. But before we get started, head over to timcast.com donate if you'd like to support my work. There are several ways you can give. The best thing you can do, however, is share this video. And I'll tell you why. Normally I do hard politics, but I do like to cover stories I think are the most important. Seeing all of these conspiracy theories made me laugh. 
made me feel excited. I love stories like this, but I do think a lot of people like conspiracy theories because it makes you feel like the world is more exciting. The one reason I would, I would ask you to share this video is for one, it does support my work, but also I really want to spread this message of calm. Like I'm willing to bet come a month's time, we're sitting back completely forgetting about the latest epidemic risk. It's not going to be that big. It's nothing's going to happen. You'll probably end up, the news cycle will switch back to impeachment or actually impeachment is about to be over, but you get the point. Okay. It's, this is likely overblown by the media because the media is driven by shock and fear. So please consider that. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean there isn't a risk though. Okay. They're locking cities down. Let's read the story. First from CBS news, coronavirus updates, authorities lock down entire city of Wuhan, quarantine new cases. They say health authorities across the globe are grappling with how to contain the rapid spread of the new coronavirus, which has sickened hundreds of people and left at least 17 dead in China. The latest numbers that I have is actually 18. So I will, I will stress another point as well. As this news is very, very breaking, by the time you watch this, there's probably been a lot of changes. The numbers could be increasing. Hopefully the world didn't end because how silly would it be if I'm like, I record this video a few hours earlier and then the world ended by the time I publish it. That would suck. But the point is, there's going to be some updates. I have another source already saying 18. So we'll get to that. But I want to cover the, 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 the quarantine. They say Chinese health officials of the world and the World Health Organization confirmed this week the virus has been transmitted person to person, but it remains unclear how easy it is to contract it from another infected individual. But that brings me to the next big story. Deadly coronavirus is much more contagious than feared. Medics confirm the disease that has killed 18 can be spread by coughing as Singapore, Vietnam, and Saudi Arabia become latest countries to confirm cases. The Daily Mail is reporting that nine towns and cities in China are now in lockdown while officials battle to stop the spread of the deadly new coronavirus. Major Chinese New Year events in Beijing have been canceled. Authorities in Etsau have shut down train station, and Huanggang has announced it will suspend public buses and trains. The development comes as Wuhan, the city at the center of the outbreak, remains on lockdown with all flights and outbound canceled, in and, in and outbound canceled. Residents banned from leaving and scenes of chaos as desperate families fight for food and supplies. Now that's the scary thing. So I'll tell you this. One of the reasons a lot of people think it's bigger than it really is, or, or, or than they're saying, like they locked down, what, nine towns and cities are on lockdown? That's crazy. It really does seem like China's freaking out about this contagion. One thing I pointed out in a segment I did on this the other day is that you know, when it comes to these movies about zombies and like contagions, they always depict like people like, I don't know, vomiting or biting. What's actually scary is coughing, air transmission. That means you could be walking down a hallway, not make contact with anybody. And then all of a sudden, a week later, you've got the disease because you walked through a cloud, you breathed it in. That's scary. So I think one of the reasons they might be taking this seriously is so far, a lot of the people who have died um, are, are elderly, had pre-existing conditions. And that seems to be the case. It really does seem like this is just another, you know, another one of these swine flu, bird flu things. It will be very, very bad for pregnant women, the elderly, for children, the average person, you know, who's, you know, older than 12 or whatever and younger than 55 or 60, probably going to, you get sick, you get over it. So I really think this might end up being like completely overblown, but I will say, make sure, you know, you take care of, uh, of your, your elderly, your parents, your grandparents, your kids, keep them safe. But uh, I don't think the mortality rate for this is particularly high relative to like really, you know, much scary diseases. That being said, if this does start to infect tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, mortality will be high, more than high enough, right? So I don't, I don't want to downplay 
the loss of life of like a single individual. I'm just saying it's not going to be like Ebola, right? They say Chinese officials are disinfecting whole streets and parks with clouds of gas and chilling footage has emerged of roadside quarantine tents hastily erected to isolate suspected cases. One resident told the BBC the atmosphere in the city felt like the end of the world. Concerned medics were seen wheeling a suspected patient out of the airport in Futsao in southeastern China in an elaborate see-through quarantine pod. Singapore and Vietnam have today announced they have recorded cases of the infection. Now, keep in mind, so has the United States. This is what people are freaking out about. I don't, I, it, there's a lot of misinformation going on. It's very difficult to track. Some people are saying the incubation period is between like a week or two. And so these people who have come to the US may have already infected others. Again, I don't have, we'll, we'll see what they say. It's just the rumors are, are kind of crazy right now. They say in Vietnam, a Chinese father and son are in the hospital in Ho Chi Minh City after flying there from Wuhan and becoming ill. They're in good condition, according to Vietnamese authorities. They'll probably probably be fine. An Indian member of government had tweeted that an Indian nurse was being treated in Saudi Arabia, but that has since turned out to be inaccurate. She's instead had a similar virus called MERS. This means the illness has now spread to nine countries, including the United States and European health officials fear the never before seen virus will reach the continent where the UK and other nations are already on high alert. It was revealed today that an American man infected with a deadly virus, with, uh, which Chinese officials have warned will mutate and become deadlier, came into close contact with at least 16 people before being put in isolation. The World Health Organization is facing increasing pressure to declare the crisis a public health emergency, like it had done for Ebola and Zika in the past. Health chiefs will meet again later today to make a final verdict. Now, we got a bunch of photos. We have this quarantine pot. It's crazy. You can see that it looks like the airport. I'm not entirely sure. This photo to me is one of the craziest. Check this out. For those that are listening, I'll just describe it. There's a man wearing what seems to be like a red quarantine suit of some, like hazmat suit of some sort. And he's spraying this park down with some kind of gray mist. I don't know. They say this. In one video, which emerged from Wuhan today, a man can be seen disinfecting eerily quiet streets of Wuhan with billowing fumes filling the air around an outside an apartment block. We then have this photo. It says passengers at Rome's Flumicino Airport Authority are scanned by thermal imaging for body temperature as they go, th- uh, go through health measures and procedures against deadly SARS-like virus. We have photos of people being loaded up. We can see here the reported affected areas. So, uh, so far, Japan, Taiwan, Hong Kong, Macau, Saudi Arabia, Singapore, the USA, Thailand, and Vietnam are all experiencing some degree. Thailand seems to be the worst with four confirmed. Uh, uh, these, are, these are cases, I believe. So these are the cases outside of China, I believe, it seems. In China, they've got 18 deaths so far and 586 cases. The symptoms, uh, they say how coronavirus can kill. It's a respiratory disease. It, it, my understanding is it primarily causes pneumonia. But let's get to the, let's get to the fun stuff, okay? We, we, we get it. There's, there's a disease that's spreading. You know, keep in mind, this stuff's always, always overhyped. This story is going viral right now, but it's from 2017. Inside the Chinese lab poised to study the world's most dangerous dangerous pathogens. There is absolutely at this time no reason to believe that what we're seeing is anything to do with this lab. None whatsoever. All we know right now, a lab exists in the city. People in the city got sick. There are a lot of reasons this could happen, right? You got, you got, I believe, 18 million people under quarantine so far, maybe more now that they've expanded to nine cities. I think it might be 18 million or more. I'm not sure. Again, news is is running wild. But with that many people, look, 
Nobody claimed that when swine flu or SARS came out, that it was a secret lab spilling a disease. Okay, so there's no reason to believe it. But I do want to read this simply because I think it's really, really interesting. They say a laboratory in Wuhan. This is from, again from uh, this is from what February February twenty twenty uh, second February twenty second twenty seventeen. A laboratory in Wuhan is on the cusp of being cleared to work with the world's most dangerous pathogens. The move is part of a plan to build between five and seven biosafety labs, level four, la- uh, across the Chinese mainland by twenty twenty five, and has generated much excitement as well as some concerns. Some scientists outside China worry about pathogens escaping. And now you see why people are freaking out. (laughs) And the addition of a biological dimension to geopolitical tensions between China and other nations. But Chinese microbiologists are celebrating their entrance to the elite cadre empowered to wrestle with the world's greatest biological threats. Listen, let me be absolutely clear for the 800th time. There's no reason to believe conspiracy or, 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 uh, you know, the, the, the pathogen escaped here. I will say, however, never forget Chernobyl, okay? They lied. They were embarrassed. And it was only after I think it was like Finland or whatever detected the elevated radiation levels that we knew that there was a major disaster at this nuclear plant. It could happen again. That's why I think it's silly to say, don't, I think it's silly to claim like there's a big conspiracy or something. It's okay to question and, and, and say, we should look into this. Maybe, that, maybe there's something here. We should keep this in mind. Just don't jump the gun. I always tell people the problem with conspiracy theories is if you leap too far ahead before having evidence, you actually end up discrediting the initial premise because people assume everything you're saying is is based on this on this lie. What we should do is we see this. I think it's interesting. We'll keep an eye on it. And if it turns out this was either a research pathogen or something like that, we can then point the finger and say, let's investigate a potential breach for the time being. That's that's where we're at. We're at the introductory level. People were concerned in 2017 there would be a breach and pathogens would get out. We now have in the same city a major pathogen, you know, uh, being spread, and the city is going on lockdown. We need to find a connection. If you're interested and you think it's the case, do some investigating before claiming it is the case. They say the lab was certified as meeting the standards and criteria of BSL-4 by the China National Accreditation Service for conformity assessment in January. The CNAS examined the lab's infrastructure, equipment, and management, says a CNS representative paving the way for the Ministry of Health to give its approval, yada, yada. You get the point, okay? I'm not going to read the history of this lab. I just wanted to point out it exists, and there was a general fear. But let's do this now. In the UK, five patients have been screened. We'll see what the developments are as we go on. But in the US, a scramble to retrace the steps of the first Wuhan coronavirus case in the, uh, in the United States this is from the New York Times. Health leaders in Washington state have been working to monitor at least 16 people who may have been in close contact with the man who flew from China keeping in mind that he was in contact with these people before getting sick, and these people may already be infected. The New York Times reports, the patient, a man in his 30s who fell ill after traveling to China, has cooperated in helping public health workers trace his path from the Wuhan region of China to his home in Snohomish County, north of Seattle, health health officials said. Officials said they have been working to identify people who had close contact with the patient once his symptoms began to flourish. They do not believe he was symptomatic on his travel home, but the state health department said that out of an abundance of caution, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention would notify passengers on his flight. The primary focus, however, is trying to contact other patients at the clinic the man visited on Sunday, a hospital official said. He reported then that he was sick and concerned about the prospect of a coronavirus infection. We're really pleased with the progress that we're making, John Weissman, the secretary of health in Washington state, said at a news conference on Wednesday. 
Health workers have reached out to 16 people who may have had close contact with the patient, all of them located in either Snohomish County or in Seattle's King County. That number may grow as the investigation continues. They said they plan to remain in daily contact with those people to monitor any possible symptoms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get the point. And then going to talk about the, the, the virus and its spread. So ultimately, I think we're going to be fine. It is entering other countries. We get it. There's a lot of fear, a lot of hype. Keep in mind, look, I, I blame the media, okay? I do want to mention the last conspiracy theory. And I know, I know these, these like lefties will love digging into this and claiming, oh, he's talking about conspiracy theories. Uh, no, 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 no. Okay, listen, right now on the internet, there are a lot of people claiming that this was intentionally released to infect Hong Kong because of the unrest. There's a lab in Wuhan. We've already heard of potential cases now hitting. Um, do we have that photo? I think Hong Kong has two cases. Hong Kong has two. Thailand has four. This is why I think it's silly to, to make these arguments. So what, what they're basically saying is that, yes, yes. But the fact that other countries have more is a cover up. See, what they're, what they're claiming is that Wuhan intentionally released this virus so that it would infect their, their own city. And they say, oh, no, it was a mistake. It just happened. But then when it does hit Hong Kong and gets bad, China will intervene and offer aid and come in, essentially shutting down the ongoing unrest in that in that region. Look, man, I'm not saying this because I'm, quote, pushing it. People are saying it. And I think we need to have everybody calm down. First and foremost, the reason why people are talking about it in the first place is probably just because they want those sweet, juicy clicks. I got to be honest. I'm looking at all the news I do every day. And what do we got? We got impeachment. Boring. No one cares. I'm trying to make sure I'm covering something that I think is the most important to people. And I'm talking about what I think will have the biggest impact. Turns out this is a story that's kind of like, you know, breaking through the front page of every website, especially as people say things like it feels like the end of the world. And I got to admit, it is pretty serious. They've locked down nine cities and you've got like 18 million people under quarantine or more. But I do think there's a lot of people uh, in the media and a lot of people online who are just getting excited. Look, you know, there's gonna be a lot of people who want the world to see more exciting, the media included. They want to, to push a narrative which will ultimately result in more traffic and more money. And so you end up with people being freaked out and believing things that likely aren't true, plain and simple. Um, I will say as a last little bit, we'll keep this, you know, I'll wrap this one up in a couple of minutes, but um, there's no excuse to not take care of yourself and your family. Don't worry about conspiracies. Worry about what you should do in the event of a, a natural disaster. Like the likelihood of a tornado and an earthquake is really, really low, but sometimes they happen. What would you do if, if an earthquake, a hurricane, a storm, power got knocked out? And you didn't have a backup generator. You didn't have food available. I know not everybody can afford generators. I know not everybody can you know, afford all of these things. But look, man, a small first aid kit, some, some food that lasts for, you know, canned food that can last for a couple of years, some water, you know, safely secured in, in, in a safe place. And, and don't touch it because while they, they, they might, I'm, I'm, I know we're going to see a ton of people in the media saying the conspiracy theorists, oh, and they're going to point the finger at me and all that stuff. Don't care. I don't care. I'll tell you this. We want to remain calm. Let the story develop. Try and figure out what's going on. Keep ourselves safe. But ultimately, don't let anyone shame you into not taking care of your family. Okay? I think it's hilarious how, you know, I bought I bought like MREs and people are making jokes about preppers and stuff like that. And I'm like, dude, nothing you say will ever convince me I should not have, you know, some some uh, food I can store for a couple of years in the event of a major catastrophe. Or or, you know, depending on the food, a year or two and water. I don't care if you think it's silly that I have, you know, some I don't have a big fortress. I don't have weapons or anything like that. I just got some food, first aid kit and some water. 
I don't understand. But there are a lot of people who are embarrassed. They don't want they don't want to uh, uh, take these precautions because they don't want to look like, you know, preppers or whatever. And that's and that's a shame that the media has turned the idea of of of, uh, of planning ahead into something laughable. So don't let people uh, don't let people shame you into not going out and preparing for an emergency. But uh, I'll leave it there. Uh, I do think it's really interesting that they had this bio lab in, in Wuhan. But again, we'll see how it develops. I, I think the story, uh, although, I, look, I don't know if anybody actually cared about this video. We'll see what happens. But I do. I think this is an important story. So I hope you all take care of yourselves. Keep an eye on this. Okay. As much as I say, keep calm. It's probably no big deal. It really could be something. You never know. You never know. Okay. There was a meme going around for a while about how in 1720, 1820, 1920, you have all these epidemics, right? Well, it's 2020. Now people are laughing, saying, aha, it's going to happen. And then this happens. So it could be serious. It could. Take care of yourself. But seriously, don't panic. Do not panic. I will see you on the next segment coming up at youtube.com slash timcastnews at 6 p.m. Thanks for hanging out. Feminists are outraged that men don't want to date them. In an article titled The Dangerous Rise of Men Who Won't Date Woke Women, The idea really being conveyed is that men don't want to date feminists. But what it's really about is this British actor guy essentially says he broke up with his girlfriend or something because she was woke. He says Meghan Markle isn't a victim of racism in the press and that, you know, these these feminists are being taught that they're victims when they're really not. He would be correct. Everybody to a certain degree is slighted in some way. But no, you are not a massive oppressed class. Women in, in America are some of the most privileged people on the planet. I get it. There's arguments to be made about, you know, sexism, racism, bigotry, all that stuff. Well, come on, man. Everybody's got their cards to play. And I'm not saying that people shouldn't fight to improve things. And I'm not saying they're perfect. I'm just saying everybody needs to calm down. Now, when it comes to the woke women, I think they tend to be, I don't know, it's, it's a fringe ideology. So I'll tell you this. They may as well have titled this article, Why Won't Men Date Me? Or I'm Angry That Men Won't Date Me. I love how they call it dangerous, the dangerous rise. Oh, calm down, dude. Can't find a man. It's not dangerous. You just believe kooky things and nobody wants to be around you. You know, what's really funny is how there's a meme called reset the clock. And it's a reference to the, 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 the timer basically until the next male feminist is outed as a predator of some sort, because there seems to be a lot of male feminist allies who turn out to be predators. I'll tell you why a guy who is going to tell a woman whatever she wants to hear and just say, yes, you're right, is manipulative and just saying whatever they think the woman wants to say because they're trying to get something. Guys who are confident are not going to date you. They're going to tell you exactly what they think. And when you get all angry and pout and walk away, they're going to say, I don't care. Now, controversy inbound. A few months ago, I was reading a story about it was a 30 year old woman. It was like early 30s women who had careers who were upset they couldn't find men who made as much money as they did. I'm not surprised at all. There's a particular dating website. I'm not going to name them because I don't, I don't they, they, they published data, a bunch of them published data. But anyway, some data was published and found that men overwhelmingly or on average message 22 year old women, regardless of age, 50 year old guy messages 22 year old, whatever, kind of creepy, 40 year old guy, 22 year old, 30 year old guy, 22 year old, 22 year old guy, 22 year old. They want 22-year-old women. Deal with it. Women, on the other hand, message men around their age. So a bunch of feminists got really angry, started passive-aggressively tweeting about me and tweeting at me, saying things like, any man who would try and date a 22-year-old has self-esteem issues or whatever. And it's like, okay, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. 
Don't get mad at me. That's what the data shows. Okay, you got a problem. Take it up with all of humanity or like, I don't know, evolution or whatever. A lot of feminists obviously will claim it's like a a societal thing, whatever. I'll tell you this. Guys want young, attractive women. That's it. So here's what ends up happening. If you're a 30-year-old career woman and you're making, you know, $40,000, $50,000 a year, a 30-year-old man who's making $40,000 to $50,000 a year, about this, like completely on par with you, is going to message a 22-year-old woman, okay? What ends up happening is the 22-year-old woman sees a guy who's got a career, who's got a car, who's got a house, $50,000 a year. She's in college, probably broke, and she's like, this dude can take me out for dinner. I'm going to go on a date with him. But these dudes are not having trouble attracting younger women because younger women see a guy who's relatively successful and he's got cash and they can go have fun, have a good time. I'm not disparaging either the man or the woman in this, in this circumstance. But the 30-year-old women with careers are not the average. So what that means is not the average of what men are looking for. So they're less likely to get those, those responses. And the way I put it was, I'll tell you this, man. I'm 33, going on 34 in about a month and a half. I'm successful. I'm, I got to be honest. When I go on dating apps, I don't date people who are like, in the exact, well, actually, I'll, I'll, I think I think I'm a bit of a, a not completely average. I'm not someone who's going to message a 22 year old and be like, "Ha, ah, college kid." It's really like, there's nothing there. There's no companionship. It's just not something I'm interested in. You know, like I get it, they're attractive, but I'm looking for somebody who's probably not not uh, a little bit younger than I am. So not 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 someone who's 33, but maybe like between 28 and 30, I guess. That's typically where I find myself. Not like intentional. I'm not like, oh, 31, you're out. No, it's just I'm like, oh, yeah, I I tend to realize like that's the area I kind of I think people have preferences. You know what I mean? So for me, I definitely date a little younger. But all these women are getting angry now because the actual, I guess, good guys, the real good guys, the guys who are confident, successful, famous are like, you're crazy and I don't want to date you. And they're also start a lot of them are starting to realize when these articles came out, this was it was funny. It's like, they were told that they could have it all. They could told they could be 30 and have a career and then find a great guy. But by the time they're 30, and again, I am not disparaging you for this. I'm not disparaging anybody. The data just shows by the time you're 30, you are not what the average guy is seeking and you will have a harder time dating, period. That's just the way it's. Uh, look, man, oh, I, I know simply by saying that all of a sudden, like this is exactly what happened last time. All these passive aggressive tweets come out. And they're obviously like these feminists obviously shared and watched my video. Why are you mad at me? I have my preference. I'm allowed to. And the data shows men do this. And yes, by all means, complain about the fact that men do this. That's not going to get you a date or find you a good guy. Now, keep in mind, you can still find a good guy. There are a lot of guys who are 30 who will date 30. There's a lot of guys who want an equal partner. Absolutely. But on average, it's not the case. Okay. So anyway, I did all of that because we are, I, I, this is going to generate controversy because it always does. But here we go. Femi- I, I'm, I'm not going to tie, I'm not going to read the, their, their, their headline here. Okay. I'm not going to call it that because there's nothing dangerous about men not wanting to date you. Calm down. So let's call this what it really is. Feminists outraged that regular guys don't want to date somebody who holds fringe ideological beliefs. Uh, it's actually titled The Dangerous Rise of Men Who Won't Date Woke Women, but this is hilarious, so let's read. Refinery29 writes, The word irrespective means saying or doing something without taking anything else into account. For example, irrespective of the fact that the cost of living has jumped, putting pressure on many people, the government plowed on with Brexit and argued that there would be no real economic impact. Okay, that, that has absolutely nothing to do with dating. Thank you for, for telling me that. So it is fitting 
that 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 white man of the moment, Lawrence Fox, who appeared on the BBC's Question Time program and told a BAME, what, what, what it means, bla- uh, uh, I don't I don't I don't know what BAME means. What does it mean? It's like uh, black, African and Middle Eastern, I think. No, that doesn't make sense. Minority ethnic. I don't know what BAME means. It's not something we say in the United States, whatever. Told a BAME audience member that Meghan Markle has not been on the receiving end of racism before subsequently appearing on the cover of the Sunday Times to tell the world that he does not date woke women, and then displaying an appalling understanding of history by calling the inclusion of a Sikh soldier in Sam Mendes' film 1917 incongruous, has irrespective tattooed on his arm. What? Did you hear that in the back, ladies? Lawrence Fox, who you perhaps only knew as Billy Piper's ex-husband because you've never seen Lewis. I don't know what you're talking about, but sure, let's read on. I'm pretty sure Refinery29 is based in New York, but this is, I believe, their British version, so... He does not date woke women uh, who believes are being taught that they are, quote, victims, irrespective of whether they are right or not. He thinks that it's institutionally racist to tell the story of the First World War in a racially diverse way, irrespective of the fact that Sikh soldiers absolutely fought for Britain. And he also doesn't believe in white privilege, irrespective of the fact that he works in a painfully undiverse industry, was privately educated and comes from a wealthy acting family, which is nothing short of a dynasty. Let me just stop you right there, ladies. Yes, in this regard, you aren't proving white privilege either. The fact that someone has wealth has literally nothing to do with their race. I know several people who are Asian and wealthy. I know people who are Asian and poor. I know people who are Latino and wealthy and Latino and poor. There is literally nothing about your race that guarantees you will be born into wealth and privately educated and be successful. It is fair to say, however, that in a majority white country, that was founded by a bunch of white people a long time ago, whether through conquest or otherwise. I am not defending the foundation of these countries. I am saying if a country historically for hundreds of years was predominantly one race, it's very likely that they handed down their wealth and their knowledge to their children. And now immigrants are more are, are less likely to be on the same historical uh, playing field as the natives of that country. The same would be true for China or Japan. You know, if, if, if you went to Japan, you're going to find that people have family histories. You own a house, you die, you give the house to your kids. OK, so when people are emigrating to a majority white country, just because this guy has family who saved, made money, became wealthy, and not everybody did, I know, has nothing to do with white privilege. See, this is the real problem with how they don't seem to understand how class and privilege works. And it seems almost nefarious because what this idea does is it separates the true, the, the, the classes in, in a ridiculous way. Serena Williams, one of the wealthiest people on the planet, complaining that she's a marginalized or oppressed person is laughable. Absolutely laughable. She could easily hire 10 people to walk around her and no one would ever bother her again. She can wear a shirt that says, I'm Serena Williams, and no one will ever buy. She can go to any store. She has millions upon millions of dollars. It is absurd to think that she is oppressed, okay? She is successful, privileged, and wealthy elite. She sits atop the ivory tower with all the rest of them. But this belief would separate her from a homeless white guy sitting in the street covered in his own waist. Yeah, sorry, that literally makes no sense. So what am I, so, so they, they try to argue white privilege. And what white privilege really is, is a tiny subset of a probability that if you are from a country that was uh, either conquered by or founded by white people, you are more likely to hold uh, uh, historical wealth and 
you are more likely to be in the majority. And because humans are biased towards people like themselves, you, are, you will experience net benefits in many ways. What she's describing is not white privilege. The reality is when they call it white privilege, they're also ruining the idea of what we're really talking about. We're talking about majority privilege, likeness privilege. If you are in a group of people and everyone loves pepperoni pizza, and you, have a, and you have one person who wants pineapple, guess what? You ain't getting your pineapple pizza. They're going to be like, everybody wants pepperoni, too bad. Now, there are inherent biases, and um, Brett Weinstein talks about this, that we have to resist those urges because we are naturally, naturally inclined to favor people who look more like us. Guess what? Yes, majority privilege exists, straight up. However, it is Western nations that have done more than any other country to try and break those barriers and ensure civil liberties for everyone. But it's true, right? There, there, it, there is racism, there is privilege factor, and it can go in any direction. You know, if you, if you are a Latino living in a majority black neighborhood, you will experience the same thing as a black person living in a majority white neighborhood. On a grander scale, yes, there are majority issues, there are historical issues, but this is not what, this is them taking an idea and kind of bastardizing it. The bigger problem I see with all of it, however, even talking about those, 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 those things, is that what we really have is a class separation. I think education is the key. And I think if we're too focused on race, we'll never actually solve the problem of helping lifting people out of poverty, which capitalism has done a, a great job of. But anyway, I digress. I don't want to get into a big thing on white privilege. Let's read more. Fox is denying racism and sexism, irrespective of whether or not they exist. It's nothing short of gaslighting. It's all very Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the woke boogeyman. He, he, he literally is like, you, you say Donald Trump's three, name three times into a mirror and he appears and, and you know, he, the patriarchy engulfs you. It's all very Donald Trump. What is that supposed to mean? They're literally just trying to invoke your anger by saying his name because Trump has literally nothing to do with this. When, when, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? The guy said that feminists are pretending to be victims. That's so Donald Trump. <laughs> you know what, man? probably why Donald Trump got elected. And for all y'all in Great Britain, it's probably why the conservatives just swept in a historical victory. Maybe you should get your, um, your, your head out of your rear. Oh, I'm making him angry. They say Fox is denying. Yeah, we read that. I could go over all the things he said. I could use data to prove how wrong he is. I could express concern for his mental health. After all, who really enjoys arguing on, on Twitter? Seriously, if you, you know, a lot of people do. I guess you're bored. You know, I could make jokes about his behavior, but all of that would be would be to seriously miss the point. There's nothing funny about the things Fox or Wokey McWokeface, as he now wants to be known, is saying. It's also not particular. It's also not particularly sad. It's dangerous. He is just one very privileged man, and as a result of said privilege, has been given a platform and has used that platform to legitimize a bigger backlash against diversity and progress, which is unfolding every single day in less public corners of the internet. Not wanting to date woke women, far from being laughable, is actually one of the more insidious. Oh, this is hilarious. We've graduated from the 30-year-old woman being like, why can't I find a man who makes money like me? To, it's dangerous that they won't date me. It is, it is, it is violence, I say. Okay, that part I exaggerated, but they're literally calling it dangerous. It says, spend an afternoon on any major dating app, and you'll come across generally white men saying openly sexist and misogynistic things. They might say no psychos or that they effing hate big eyebrows in their bios. And what do we call it when women say no short guys, no fat guys? What, you know, this is like, this article is written by a spoiled, entitled brat. How much you want to bet? 
It's a millennial. I'm sorry. I got to do it. Millennials. I'm a millennial, so I'm allowed to disparage them. But don't they tend to be like this? No, you know, that's not fair. There are like moderate liberal and conservative uh, uh, millennials who are fine. It's, 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 it's the woke left, isn't it? There's something in- inherent about it that's very much like entitled. How much you want to bet the person writing this is? I, 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 no, 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 you know what? I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to, I'm not even going to, I'm going to back up, back up. We're not saying it. But the point is they're angry that the guys don't want to date them because they deserve it, don't they? Because they're the morally superior ones. It's insidious. It's dangerous. Oh no. Oh, you didn't get what you wanted. Oh, poor baby. Maybe you didn't have a parent who told you to shut up once in a while. In fact, as, uh, as I was writing this, a dear friend sent me a screenshot of a guy she's just matched with who describes Jordan B. Peterson as his dream dinner guest. Yes, the same Jordan B. Peterson who thinks white privilege is a Marxist lie and wants millennials to drop their obsession with social justice. Oh, no. Oh, Jordan Peterson. Jordan, you know what's really funny? You know what I love about Jordan Peterson? As he's such a tepid guy. You know what I mean? Like, there's like a certain class of individual, like a sphere in politics of like semi-boring individuals who don't say things that are too controversial. And Jordan Peterson is just on one side, like saying some things that some people are like, oh, that's a little controversial. Like when he said wearing makeup in the workplace or, or like negligees or something, he's like very like mild mannered. He's not far right. He doesn't even talk about overly conservative values. He just talks about like personal responsibility and like working hard and having a mission. And they're like, oh, oh, oh Jordan Peterson. I've, uh, I've talked to a bunch of friends and I'll tell you this too. I have a bunch of like lefty, regular, regular people. Okay. Like my regular friends, they're all pretty lefties. They're all former Bernie people. And they're like, oh yeah, Jordan Peterson sounds cool. I'd love to, because Jordan Peterson is not Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro can be bombastic. He can, he can be like, what's the right word? He can, he can, he can incite raw emotion in people with his direct and oftentimes condescending remarks. Not always. I'm not saying Ben's bad. He often has very straightforward and calm, but Ben is a rather aggressive individual when it comes to his beliefs. He's willing to talk fast, hard, and say, no, you're wrong. Jordan Peterson is much more tepid and calm. And I think it's funny that they're so scared of the guy. It's like, dude, you'd sit down and Jordan Peterson's going to be like, well, I don't know. You know, maybe we should have a conversation about these things. And it's like, that's the kind of character you're truly worried about. Heavens, somebody wants to listen to what somebody else has to say. Not only that, but Jordan Peterson being a dream dinner guest doesn't even mean you agree with him. I'd love to have a ton of people over here in the new podcast. I got a, I got a mic and everything over here. You can't see it. But I'd love to have a ton of different people I disagree with here. And we're going to do it. It's going to be fun. We'll have a conversation. We disagree. Let's figure out why. But they're like, oh, oh Jordan Peterson. Oh. I, I, meanwhile, recently had to block someone who, after matching with me, launched into a vile rant about how women are evil, only want sex, and treat men as though they are disposable. When I asked him if he, if he hated women, he replied, that he had only moderate disdain for us before asking me whether I didn't want to date him because I'm actually pretty rough. I love the irony. You know, my favorite, my favorite analogy is a fire truck on fire. And that's what that paragraph is. In an article, ragging on men, saying it's dangerous they won't date you, you're angry that you talked to a guy who had moderate disdain for all women. Oh, oh my. Perhaps you looked into a mirror and you didn't like what you saw, but you're too stupid to realize you looked into a mirror. Yes, anybody who thinks all men or most men or all women or most women are like these specific negative stereotypes, I got bad news for you. It's just not true. 
You go in the real world, guess what? Most men and women are like, the, the, the differences between men and women in terms of like cultural and behavior are slim. Not, not, this is a caricature. A guy who messages you and says, I just don't like women. Yeah, that's what, one in a thousand or two thousand? Like, it's rare. Most guys are going to be like, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. That's it. Most women are going to be like, I don't know. Whatever. No one's going to like hold these fringe ideological beliefs. Congratulations. You, you, the, 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 the intersectional incel left and the incel right got to have a meeting and they, and they got mad at each other. All of this, of, of course, speaks not only to the presence of the very active online communities of anti-feminist incels, and there it is, but to the prevalence of the hideous and incorrect ideas they promote. It doesn't take magical thinking to see how men are radicalized by anti-feminism. As the saying goes, when you're used to privilege, equality feels like oppression. Once again, the inability to look in the mirror. Western, wealthy, white women complaining about how everyone else is privileged because they've never gone to Morocco. They've never gone to Brazil. That, you know, I absolutely love it. But you know what? I don't know if this person is, is white or otherwise. Vicky, I don't know what your race is. I'm not going to drag you for that. But I do think it's hilarious that your job is to write for Refinery29, which is like the least work a human being could do. And you're complaining about other people being privileged. I've gone really long on this, okay? I'm going to stop. <laughs> this article's too long and too stupid, okay? I don't know. But, but I will say this. These people at these companies get paid something like $50,000 a year. Some get paid less. Maybe they're getting 35. Okay, but I'll tell you what. I know people who lift and break rocks all day. I know people who do actual jobs, like you actually make something. Imagine you work in fast food. I'll tell you this. A fast food worker is more productive than these far left digital writers. What do they do? And, 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 and conservative ones too, for, for sure. If your job is like mine, where you read an article and then complain about it, you are doing like the least amount of work you could possibly do. I believe what I do, I will never pretend that I am not sitting in my own like ivory tower. I think it's kind of a different ivory tower. There's like a new emergence of like independent personalities who are rising up and becoming successful. But I'm never going to like for me, I'm sitting here like I completely know what it's like in these foreign countries, man, they got it bad. We are wealthy, privileged, elite, we got to accept that. But these people sitting at the other side of the table are like, uh, you're privileged, not me. I'm like, dude, you realize we're both sitting in like a skyscraper in New York City getting paid to complain. That's it. It's, it's so insane for these people to complain about the privilege of others when they are literally paid to like write articles about, say, Brad Pitt's junk. It's like 25 times we saw a bulge on TV. And it's like, you realize you get paid double what like a construction worker is getting paid. And all you have to do is write nonsense about trash and celebrities. I'll tell you who the most privileged people in the world are. It is these woke writers for digital media blogs who complain all day and night about how privileged everyone else is because they've never looked in a mirror. They've never actually traveled. They've never gone to a real country. But I'll tell you one thing else and I'll wrap this up. The ones who do, who decide to go hiking through Tajikistan and Morocco and then bad things happen. You know what, man? There is a class of snowplow millennials, snowplow meaning their parents snowplowed all obstacles out from in front of them, who have no idea just how good they have it, complain about everybody else and say they're the victims while they get paid five figure jobs, mid five figures to complain about a British celebrity because he won't date them. Let me let me let me let me drive this point home to all of the angry feminists who made it through this video, who are now writing their stupid blogs complaining about me. 
This woman has a job where she wrote about a British celebrity who won't date her, who won't date women like her, and is angry by it. And she got paid more money than somebody who actually has to build a house. Like for the day, I mean, you know, not for the entire project. There are people, you know what? She probably got paid more than a nurse. I, here, here, this is what's really, truly, truly baffling to me. They're like, teachers should make more money. You realize you make more money than a teacher, right? Why don't you donate 50% of your salary because you do nothing to a teacher at a good school? Oh, you won't. That's right, because you're a privileged elite. You know, there are people at BuzzFeed make like $90,000 a year. <laughs> I love it. And then BuzzFeed has these articles where they complain about this stuff. Listen, man, this is how the market works. I get it. You know, your article about a British celebrity is going to get a lot of clicks. It's going to get people like me to talk about it. And it's going to generate a lot of attention for Refinery29, help them get some brand value. So you get paid well for that. Meanwhile, a registered nurse who literally just either saved the guy's life or had to remove or insert a catheter, not fun, I can imagine, is getting paid half of what you get. You want to talk about privilege? Let's talk about this. I'm going to now, I'm going to, I should write a thesis on the true privilege, digital media privilege, people who are paid high wages relatively to complain about other people while pretending they're the ones who are being oppressed. Talk about a fire truck bursting into flames. No, no, no. This is not a fire truck bursting into flames. It's literally a fire truck that it it looks like a fire truck, but it's actually designed to spew fire. It's one thing when the fire truck bursts into flames. That's the idea that it was supposed to put the fire out, but started on fire. No, what this is right here, it's literally, it looks like a fire truck. And when you turn on the hose, fire bursts out of it. Like you're designed to make things worse, to start fires, convincing everybody you're actually there to put the fire out. Nah. You are the woke, privileged elites of the world. Some of the wealthiest people on the planet complaining about how marginalized you are. Aw, poor baby. Why don't you go mine coal or sulfur in in East Asia so your teeth rot out of your mouth and you got to jam a rag in your face? Because that's what they do. Why don't you go to Morocco and shovel crap for the camels? Why don't you go to Brazil and go check out a favela and see how the world really lives while you sit atop your literal New York ivory tower that's so white you can't look at it in direct sunlight? Not interested. Anyway, this was fun. I'll see you on the next segment at 1 p.m. Thanks for hanging out. (laughs) Here comes the controversy. Elizabeth Warren wants to forgive student loan debt up to $50,000 just wiped out clean. And she's saying she doesn't need Congress to do it. She can just use her executive authority as president and basically wipe your debt clean. You know, I really do take issue with how Democrats are kind of, they're always playing this, we're going to give you money thing. The problem is, the money's got to come from somewhere, either by diluting the or, or inflating the economy or actually taxing people. There's a lot of problems here. That being said, I do believe we need to figure out a way to alleviate student debt, some kind of forgiveness program, and we need to shut down how these colleges are manipulating young people who don't know better. We have to end this culture of telling 18-year-old kids to take out massive debt they don't understand. However, that doesn't mean you get a freebie. So this story we have from the Daily Caller, dad confronts Warren on student loan forgiveness. Can I have my money back? It's actually quite simple. Why is it that if you saved up money and, and you know, skipped a vacation, skipped fancy meals and said, we're going to do the right thing, work double shifts, save up this money so my kid can go to college. If you do that, you get nothing. But if you're somebody who said, eh, whatever, take a loan out, they're going to pay that back. That to me, I think is a serious problem. 
It doesn't mean we shouldn't figure out a way to alleviate student loan debt and actually end this problem, but it means what Elizabeth Warren is proposing is, is complete BS. Let's, re- let's, let's read the story from the Daily Caller. They say, the father of a college student was seen confronting Democratic Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren about her plan to cancel student loan debt in a video that went viral earlier this week. The dad chastised Warren over her plan and got especially heated after the senator and 2020 presidential candidate told him he could not get the money back that he saved to pay for his daughter's school. He said, my daughter is in school. I saved all my money. Am I going to get my money back? She said, of course not. So you're going to pay for the people who didn't save any money. But those of us who did the right thing get screwed. It's not even about that. Why are we? It's it's this weird issue where the highest earners in this country, college grads, are being given a big bailout, but poor people aren't. At the same time, it is typically the poor people who had to take out loans in the first place. It's a really weird situation, but I will say this. We do have a problem. It does not make sense that someone could have chosen to live a more humble life, to put that money aside, and now they, they get nothing. Maybe you, gotta, maybe you do got to give them their money back. If Elizabeth Warren's plan is, is to forgive $50,000 in debt, why not hand 50 grand to those who paid out right? Why not just say, instead of forgiving debt, we're just going to give everyone who has a college degree $50,000. That way, everybody, everybody can, can, can use that to, to essentially forgive themselves. If they worked through college or saved their own money, that way everyone gets a degree. It doesn't make sense. It absolutely does not make sense. Now, I have my, my proposal for what we do, and I'll get to that in a second, but let's read more. He said, you're going to pay for people who didn't save money. Those of us who did the right thing get screwed. The man mentioned that he worked a double shift to pay for his daughter's education and accused Warren of mocking his life story. You're laughing at me, the man said. Warren denied that she was laughing, but the dad was not buying her explanation. That's exactly what you're doing. We did the right thing and we get screwed. Warren unveiled a $640 billion plan last year to eliminate student loan debt, a plan that would be funded by a tax on the ultra wealthy, which literally makes no sense. You know what, man? You know what Warren's doing? I'll tell you what Warren's doing. She wants the youth vote. So she's telling all these college kids who have massive debt, I'm going to forgive your debt. If you vote for me, you'll have no more bills. That's basically what she's saying. It's not how the world works. Okay. The the wealth tax is a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. I am telling you this. Let me explain. The wealth tax where Warren gets up on stage and just spews word vomit because she's lying. She lies all the time. Think about what we could do with two cents, she says. It's not real. Jeff Bezos does not have liquid assets totaling $170 billion. He doesn't have two cents. Stop. What I'm saying is Jeff Bezos' salary last year was reported $83,000. With his options and other benefits, he gets about a million bucks. So yeah, you could tax Jeff Bezos a lot, and you probably already do. Now, he's a billionaire in net worth. I don't know if he can even even legally sell the stock in Amazon because there are restrictions. His net worth is based on a nebulous value determined by the confidence in Amazon, not something that you can tax or spend. So then the other question is, man, I can't stand these people on Twitter. When I point this out, you cannot do what Warren is saying. You cannot forgive debt this way. She is lying to you to get your vote. If you taxed Jeff Bezos in terms of the government literally seizing his shares of Amazon, stock in Amazon would would collapse completely. The fear of a government takeover seizing the assets, they'd be like, that's not a company I'm going to invest in. The value of the stock would plummet and it would become worthless. No one would buy it and the government would have seized nothing. There's another big funny thing about Warren's lies. 
The other big thing, and, and Bernie too, Bernie's wealth tax, I did none of these things make sense. If you're talking about doing a wealth tax to uh, uh, pay for certain programs like med- medical or, or college, you realize once you extract all of the wealth from Jeff Bezos, there's no more rich people to tax anymore, right? Now, if you're, if you're a far left and you think there shouldn't be billionaires at all, congratulations, the wealth tax will get rid of that. But what Warren is doing is trying to simultaneously claim we're going to do a wealth tax, get rid of billionaires, and then we'll be able to pay for free college. But that's a finite resource. If there's no more billionaires, who are you taxing? Here's what Warren plans to do. Elizabeth Warren doesn't want to actually, I don't know, have Congress pass a law. She says she's going to use her own executive authority to just end college debt. On her website, it says, I'll direct the Secretary of Education to use their authority to begin to compromise and modify federal student loans consistent with my plan to cancel up to $50,000 in debt for 95% of student loan borrowers, about $42 million. It'll also direct the Secretary of Education to use every existing authority available to rein in the for-profit college industry, crack down on predatory student lending, and combat the racial disparities in our higher education system. Okay, second part, I get Look, we got, I mean, the racial disparity thing is where, you know, she's, she's getting a bit pandery because she's not actually explaining what any of that means. But in terms of predatory student lending, yes, colleges have, have increased the cost. They're, they're, they're tricking people and taking classes they don't need. Our whole society has told people you must go to college. So something really funny happens. These people graduate from college, right? With, with student loan debt and they got to pay it off. But their, their average earnings are substantially higher than say a high school graduate or a high school dropout. So we really are looking at the highest income earners in the country being given a bailout. And check this out. Don't take my word for it. NPR actually brings up that it's going to be the wealthy for the most part. Let me, let me, let me pull up the specific part about how the wealthy, they say this. Is it a good idea? They're talking about Warren's executive authority. The debate has been raging since last year. When Warren first unveiled her plan, one critique from Adam Looney of the Urban Brookings Tax Policy Center says Warren's plan would disproportionately benefit the wealthy, with the bottom 20% of borrowers by income reaping just 4% of the savings. As such, Looney asks, why are those who went to college more deserving of aid than those who didn't? Serious question. Let, 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 let me phrase it another way. Maybe you have student loan debt. Maybe it's, it's, it's hard and you got to pay it back. You realize that these people who have that debt are likely, more likely than not, like on average, making what, like 50 to 60% more than high school grads? Yeah, pay back the loans. Let me tell you something. He brings this up, the, the dad who confronted Warren, about how, you know, his buddy goes on vacation and buys a new truck or whatever. What did he say? He said, he said I don't know. I don't know what he said. Something about buying a new vehicle or something like that. He saved. His buddy's kid then takes out a loan and now Warren's going to just forgive him. So put it this way. I don't care where they spent the money. Let's say both families have $50,000. One family decides to splurge, buy whatever they want. Now they're in debt because of college. The other family says, we're not going to splurge. Warren gives the family that splurged the money. I don't care where they spent their money. In the end, both families will, will have a kid out of college. One family will have a ton of free stuff. To put it simply, if a family chooses to buy a new truck and go on vacation, and then Warren pays for their, you know, for their college, you may as well have just said, Warren bought them vacation and a brand new truck because it doesn't matter how they decide to spend their money. You know, you see what I'm trying to say? I'm talking about the total output of value that an individual will, will retain. 
If Warren pays back that 50 grand, you may as well write a check for 50 grand to literally everyone because it doesn't make sense. You'd only give it to the wealthy college grads. And I understand you're like, but Tim, they're not wealthy. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're in debt. You're right. And they make more money on average than a high school graduate, which stands to reason that's because they got to pay their loans back. Now, I do think we have a serious problem with loans, and I can talk about this. Elizabeth Warren is lying to you. Let me make that very, very clear. She's absolutely lying. The wealth tax can't function this way. It's going to benefit the wealthy. Even NPR highlights this. The, the bottom 20% are only going to get 4%. Like, as per usual, Ivory Tower Elizabeth Warren is talking about helping the rich. How amazing. Yes, college graduates. They're the ones who need the bailout. What about mortgages? Remember that the, the financial crisis? No, they bail out the banks. You see how it works? The bailouts always go to the rich people. Surprise, surprise. Now, we do have kids that I think were victimized by predatory snake oil salesmen at colleges. I think colleges are very corrupt. And I think a lot of people, for various reasons, would agree with me how bad they are. You got the ideology problem. These kids go to college and then come out as insane communists. Not all the time. I don't think it's as bad as a lot of people say it is, but it it does happen to some people. To a lot, actually. Here's the thing. You don't need college, okay? I love how the left, it's, it's really funny. I'm a, so I'm a high school dropout by choice. There's a big difference between a high school dropout like me who was building computers at eight years old and playing music, skateboarding, and, and, and you know, starting my own little companies and stuff. And like your average person who like, I don't know, gets his girlfriend pregnant and then drops out and goes to work at like a McDonald's. It's a big difference. But I really, really love how here I am. I, I'm spending all this money, like building out my business, very successful, big following. And these people on Twitter who don't understand any of this are like, LOL, but you're a high school dropout. I'm like, that's the point. Don't you understand? You too can be a high school dropout, but become successful and smart and work hard. There's a TED talk. They talk about the one factor that determines success. One thing they found that no matter how old you are, no matter your race, your age, your gender, there is only one thing that determines success perseverance. They call it the grit factor. What that means is you take a wealthy white male with a million dollars and with no grit, they will likely fail. You take a poor person from the South side of Chicago who dropped out of high school and with perseverance or grit, they will succeed. A mixed race person, nonetheless, just to, just to, just, just to rub that in for you guys, because I know you love when I say it. So here's the thing. A lot of these kids are being lied to. You know, when I was growing up, I was hanging out at a college with a, with a bunch of my friends. They were a little bit younger than me. It was actually my friend and her friends, and they were a little younger than me. And I was like, I think it was when I was like 19 or 20, and they were like 17 or 18, talking about just starting college. Me, never finished high school. And some, one, one girl asked me like, what, they're, they're all talking about what they wanted to major in, how much they plan to make. And I was asked, what, 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 do you, what about you? What are you doing? And I said, I'm not going to college. And they were like, why not? And I was like, waste of time and money. I'm not going to take a bunch of debt to go to school and then cross my fingers to get a job. It's just ridiculous. And this girl said, she, she laughs and she goes, so what you want to work at like McDonald's? She's like, when, when, when I'm graduating, I'm going to make $70,000 a year and you're going to be working at McDonald's. And sure enough, what ended up happening was when I, uh, by the time she had graduated, I was a director at a nonprofit, not making a lot of money, but I was, I had a career. I was a director at a nonprofit doing fundraising and she worked at a Starbucks. And so it's like, what did you think was going to be? Did you really think you would graduate and make $70,000 a year? That's crazy. But here, that's what, that's what the, these kids, they're having their minds filled with this garbage. Let me tell you something very, very simple. Simple math right now for all you about to go to college. If you know somebody about to go to college, if you're about to go to college, you got to listen to this right now. 
If you told an investor, you give me $40,000 and in four years, you will have negative $40,000. They're going to laugh at you and say, that's insane. I'm not going to make that investment. Now, take a look at this. Let's say you go to school and uh, you take out 40 grand to pay for, you know, four years, whatever, wherever you go. You're now learning, reading books. You're not really doing a lot of work. You might have an internship. You're spending money. By the time you graduate, you are negative 40 grand plus interest. Now, imagine your counterpart at 18 year old, 18 years old, instead of taking a loan with zero dollars, gets a job at Starbucks. Four years later, that person who worked every day, the same amount of time, you know, putting in the same amount of work you did. Let's say you go to school, you do 40 hours a week of, of school work and stuff. It's, it's actually more probably. And your counterpart at Starbucks puts in 40 hours a week. Do you know where that person after four years at Starbucks will be and how much they'll be making? They will, if they choose to, staying there and persevering and, and having grit and wanting to, to move up in the company, they will likely be a manager. It's, it's in, well, I don't, I don't want to say likely, but they could at least be assistant manager. I mean, it's four years. They're 22 years old now. Tons of experience running the store. I think it's very likely they would receive raises and promotion. But more importantly, let's say they get no raise, no promotion. They're just your barista. You graduate from college. You're all proud of your degree and you are negative $40,000 plus interest. And that barista was making 12 to 13 an hour for four years and saved up a little bit. Guess what? What's the net worth of the barista? Way higher than yours. Congratulations. Four years later, the barista actually has cash saved, has a job, has experience, and you have no real, real world experience. But hey, maybe you got that liberal arts degree that's going to allow you to go and try and work at Starbucks. And guess what? In all likelihood, if somebody went to school and said, I want to get a degree in something, the likelihood you will use a degree is actually moderately low. I think it's around 50%. I could be wrong. But here's my favorite part. Do you know what would happen if you were 22 years old, graduated from college and started looking for a, a, a simple job to, to, get, to, to get on your feet? You will find that your counterpart, maybe your friend from home, is now the assistant manager or manager of a Starbucks and you're asking them for a job. And they say, well, I think we could use somebody, you know, on cashier. It pays 12 bucks an hour. And guess what? They're probably making 40 to 50. In fact, there was a story recently about Taco Bell offering $100,000 a year to managers. College is a scam. Now, if you want to work in academia, you want to be a scientist, a researcher, a philosopher, okay, then college is where you go. If you want to be a lawyer or a doctor, yeah, college is where you go. If you want to work in the music industry, don't go to college. You want to be an artist? Don't go to college. College is for networking, but you don't need to go to college for networking. I'm surprised by my friends who went for art degrees because like, I want to work in you know, video or, or, or painting or photography. And I'm like, just go do it. The people I know who are successful in filming and journalism, they didn't go to school for it. Not at all. Because when you, when, when, when you get a degree and you have salary requirements, it makes it harder to actually get in. Now you might make some connections, but in the end, you, the, look, man, I'll tell you this too. I'll tell you this. I can speak specifically about journalism. Because I get asked all the time, how do I travel the world, Tim? And, and you know, for, I had a period for several years where I was traveling around covering all this conflict. Now I'm more of an indoor kind of guy. It's a, it's a typical career track for a lot of people who do journalism. For me, it's mostly about the danger level was too high as my profile. The more followers I gained, the more threats I started getting. And so I've traveled less and less and less. But now I'm, you know, my business is growing and we're funding people to do real journalism. It's kind of the business plan, right? But people ask me, 
I want to do what you did when you worked for Vice and, and you know, ABC News, Univision, when you were traveling around covering the stores, you went to Fukushima and Egypt. Yes. And I did it without a degree. I did it without a diploma. You want to know how I did it? Got in a plane and went there. And guess what happens? This is the big secret. They won't tell you. Okay. If you get a degree in journalism and you go get a job at a news outlet, do you think they will ever send you out into the field? The answer is no. You know why? You have no experience. This was the funniest thing to me. There were people at a particular company, I'm not going to name, and they were like, they won't even let me go to the streets of New York City because they can find someone else for the same rate who already has the experience. Congratulations. You went to J school, you got an internship, but you've never traveled. You've never been on the ground. You have zero experience and they don't want to send you out. Bravo. Meanwhile, high school dropout, bought a plane ticket, flew to Spain, flew to, uh, you know, the UK, various other countries in Europe, comes back and they say, do you have international experience covering conflict and crisis? You bet I do. Absolutely. Where would you like to go to Brazil? Yes. And then I started traveling to more and more places internationally. I've been to Thailand during the big conflict, scary stuff. I, I, I got to see this truck, bloodstains on it. Yep. Why? Because the company asked me if I had traveled internationally, had a passport, had experience covering conflict and crisis. The answer was yes. You know why? While you were in school, be, saddling yourself with massive debt, I was out traveling the world getting real experience. And that's the big grift. Now I'll tell you this. This is why I'm sympathetic. I don't blame young kids. You know, 18 year olds are adults. Fine. But what, what would they know? They have bad guidance and they have people trying to steal from them. So here's what we need to do. Here's my proposal. We do not give $50,000 to random people. That makes no sense. We, 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 we freeze the interest rates. We, we, we don't just freeze them. We, we just eliminate interest on student loan debt. You know what that means? If you took out $50,000 in debt, you had to pay back $50,000. But as of today, that will not accrue. It will not go up. You will not be in a stress position where you're like, oh no, what am I going to do? Based on your income and whether you have a job, you will have to pay, start paying it back. So we make sure those people have to pay it back, but we make it so that you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. The big problem right now with student loans is that if you defer payments or you're out of work, the interest starts racking up and then you're not even paying anything off. The other issue is that for a lot of people, you're spending more on the interest than you are on the principal, which means every month, most of the money you pay doesn't even go towards reducing the loan you owe. We'll stop. You owe 50 grand. Okay. What, how much money do you make per month? Two grand, $200 has to go back towards that loan. That's your maximum. You can pay more if you want, but that's, or that's, that's the minimum payment. You have to pay at least 200 bucks. You can pay more if you want, but all of it goes to the principal. No interest. You're good. If you don't have a job, you don't got to pay it back. It will never go up. That's what I think we should do. Because I do think we've got millennials who can't have families, who can't buy homes. And that's really, really bad for all of us. You got to understand, I don't want to give anybody a free ride. But if we don't take care of this now, millennials, they're not going to have families, no kids. The housing market will collapse and our future generations are looking really, really bad. So let's have some empathy, not just for those who are tricked, but for our own civilization to say, if we want people to carry on to the next generation, they're going to have to be able to do it. Not through this way. So I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. YouTube.com slash TimCast. And I will see you all then. A CNN analyst made up a fake quote that kind of was obviously fake and it was really bad, but it's also really, really funny. And we'll get to it, but I do want to point this out. This story, this segment is going to be about a CNN analyst making up a fake quote from Republicans. Where was Snopes? 
Where was, you know, all of these fact checking websites, PolitiFact, to say, hey, that's fake news. Yet sure enough, when the Babylon Bee makes a very obvious joke, I kid you not, about CNN buying a washing machine like a, a, with water in it to put news into, to spin the news. I kid you not, Snopes fact checks that. Why? But when this guy for CNN actually makes fake news, nobody cares. Oh, he was just kidding. Duh. But his, his tweet was actually funny for another reason. You see, in his tweet, he made it, he, it was like a quote from Republicans where they're like, oh no, if what tr- Schiff is saying is true, we're in trouble. If what Schiff is saying is true, implying that even in his fictional world, Schiff didn't present any impeachment evidence. I love it. He couldn't even make up something that actually made the Republicans look bad. (laughs) Let's read the story, though, and I'll explain to you what I mean. CNN analyst says after going viral, you can't make stuff up. CNN analyst says after making after going viral for making up story about Republicans, they say CNN political analyst Joe Lockhart experienced backlash Wednesday after he posted a convo between two Republican senators on Twitter that he later claimed was satire. Why is a CNN analyst doing satire? Listen, I actually put my tweets like this is a joke, by the way, because I know people won't take it seriously. But uh, whatever, man, I digress. They say, here's this tweet, overheard convo between two Republican senators who only watch Fox News. It quote, is this stuff real? I haven't heard any of this before. I thought it was all about a server. If half the stuff Schiff is saying is true, we're up S Creek. Hope the White House has exculpatory evidence. What's funny about this? First, it shows that this guy has no idea what Republicans think, nor has he ever actually watched Fox News. But he also says this. If half the stuff Schiff is saying is true, think about what that means. Imagine the scenario where there's two Republicans sitting in a room saying this to each other, watching the impeachment. It means that in front of them, Adam Schiff presented no evidence. So why, first of all, why would a Republican be like, Adam Schiff made a bunch of crazy claims without proving it? I can't believe it. If that's true, we're in trouble. Or Schiff had no evidence. I love it. Even in this fake version where he's trying to smear Republicans, he says Schiff presented no evidence. Let me tell you all something. I have the impeachment stuff on right, right next to me. There's a TV over there. You can't see, you can't see it. And do you know what happened two days ago? We're on day three, right? Day one, Adam Schiff. He says, this president coerced a foreign country under duress to help him cheat in the upcoming election. The next day, this president coerced a foreign country under duress to help him cheat. Day three, you get where I'm going. Nadler steps up, says the same thing. I know why they're doing it. Because one person turns on the impeachment, hears it, turns it on the next day, hears the same thing, goes bah, and leaves. And they're hoping if they say the same thing over and over and over again without evidence, people will just be like, oh, that's what I heard. Yep. Sorry. It's just not true. There was a really funny thing that happened where a bunch of Republicans left. And I see all these people on Reddit. They're like, can you believe the Republicans walked out? They don't even care about the facts. No, it's that Adam Schiff is saying verbatim the same thing every day nonstop. But I digress. Back to the silly Joe Lockhart of CNN spreading fake news. Minutes later, Lockhart tweeted that he had made up the conversation, but insisted everyone knows that's exactly what they were thinking. No, it isn't. They're thinking, oh, Adam Schiff is saying the same thing again. Someone help me, please. He he later says in response to another tweet, you can't make this stuff up. Actually, they can continue to make stuff up every day. You know, it's really funny. 
They said Donald Trump wouldn't accept the results of the 2016 election. They can't accept the results of the 2016 election. They say that Donald Trump would not leave office if he loses re-election. They are already challenging Adam Schiff during the impeachment. They're, they're saying, we won't know if Donald Trump is allowed to run again, whether it will be fair. Are you nuts? Do you, like, it's, it's, they're, they're claiming Donald Trump is, is like destroying democracy. And they're, quitter, they're quite literally arguing against a democratic election. All right, you know what? These people are nuts. So, so I bring that up because Lockhart is saying you can't make this stuff up. They do every day. You literally just made up. Yeah, you know what? What's the point? Preaching to the choir. We all get it. They say the former White House press secretary's tweet went viral for all the wrong reasons with thousands of responses, most of which were highly critical of the CNN analyst. Greg Gutfeld saying, yeah, this happened. Don't take up screenwriting, Joe. You suck at dialogue. Seriously. Uh, Siraj Hashmi says, you would think someone who's attempting to cover Trump's impeachment trial seriously wouldn't willingly mislead his audience and spread disinformation in a sad attempt at satire. Charlie Kirk, hey, CNN, will there be any consequences for your political analyst sharing fake news on Twitter? Or will he continue to be allowed on air just like the rest of the never Trump liars you give a platform to? Shout out to Brian Stelter. You want to claim that fake news is a problem of the other people and they shouldn't watch Fox News? Are you going to point out that this guy tweeted overtly fake something overtly fake. Now, if you now if you're going to claim, oh, but it was a joke. OK, are you going to call out Snopes for fact checking Babylon B? Oh, I didn't think so. If you did, I apologize, but I, I really doubt it. So I'm not going to go through every single bit of criticism, though. They say Lockhart sent out another tweet several hours later lamenting that he would poked the bear. And now the purveyors of Pizzagate and the Seth Rich conspiracy are lecturing me on honesty. You see how the, you see the game they play. AOC does the exact same thing. AOC right now is complaining Somebody said like Greta Thunberg shouldn't talk about economics until she gets an economics degree. So AOC is like, they'll, they'll rag on you if you don't have one. But if you have one like me, they'll still rag on you. Let me, let me stop right there. AOC, they're not ragging on you because you, do, because you, you don't have a degree. They're not ignoring the fact that you do. They're specifically mocking you because you have the degree and are economically illiterate. That's why they're mocking you. Like, I, you know, that's, it, that's the joke. They, they think you're dumb. Not an hour after his original tweet, the CNN analyst posted a somber message for all those who are complaining about the impeachment hearing being dry and not entertaining. He said, for all those that are complaining, this is serious. And to the Trump aides saying they are bored, we know you mean scared and disappointed with your boss. This is serious, he insisted. Isn't it really funny that you get a CNN analyst saying things like this? Like, shouldn't CNN staff be somber and serious? I get it. He's an analyst. He's, an, he's a pseudo opinion guy, right? Fine. So am I. I make jokes too. I get it. But CNN tries to claim that they're impartial. I don't. People try and claim that I claim I'm impartial. Never do. I, ta- I, made, I dedicate several videos to like my historical disdain for Democrats and ambivalence towards Republicans. Okay. I make that clear. This guy is part of CNN. CNN, it's not, I don't want to say everything he does reflects on CNN, but there's a couple of things here. He overtly makes up fake news and he's very clearly anti-Trump and hates Republicans. And he has no idea what Republicans are actually thinking about this. I'll tell you, you know, you want, you want to know the secret? Democrats aren't thinking anything about this. Republicans are paying attention. Democrats in Congress are hoping by saying the same thing over and over again, they'll capture the layman Democrat to support them. You cannot honestly believe that the right, a regular American has watched all of the hearings and now the trial, and they're still going, wow, wow. No, 
I kid you not, Adam Schiff, Nadler, Pelosi, Schumer, they've literally been saying the exact same line nonstop. I'm not exaggerating. Adam Schiff goes up and, and goes on like a two hour rant or some ridiculous amount of time about Trump and his cronies and Parnas. Nadler comes up and I'm like, okay, I, I turn, I, I unmute my TV. And here comes Nadler saying literally the exact same thing. So I'll tell you this, the Republicans who are paying attention have heard it all already. The Democrats keep saying the same thing because they know the Democrats aren't paying attention. They, uh, someone actually said this. I can't remember who, but they're talking about why Adam Schiff does this. It was a Democrat. And they were like, well, it's because they know that most Americans still don't know what's going on. So he's hoping that with all the people tuning in, they'll hear the story. So he says it over and over and over again, like being whacked in the skull with a baseball bat. So I I don't blame the Republicans for walking out. But here's what happens. The Democrats who aren't paying attention don't understand why someone would walk out of the trial. Because Adam Schiff is on his fifth version, his fifth iteration of the same thing. So what's the point? It's like, oh, okay, Adam Schiff's starting over. I'm going to go hit the bathroom. And then, and then these people who don't pay attention are on Reddit going, oh, can you believe it? They just walked out. Yeah, dude, because Adam Schiff is just starting over again. I don't think anybody, I don't think even Adam Schiff cares they walked out. He knows what he's doing. So anyway, I'll tell you this. The Babylon Bee made a funny joke, you know, last week. How funny is it that CNN is coming after us for spreading disinformation? This was before a CNN analyst started spreading fake news. The ba- liberal media versus Babylon Bee. That's how it's always been. Babylon Bees, they do jokes. I think it's okay to a certain degree to fact check certain jokes. I did it the other day. Michael Malice tweeted a joke from Tulsi Gabbard's lawsuit. A lot of people believed it. And so I said, touche, bravo, good sir. But to everybody who's sharing this, you got to realize he's trolling you and he got you good. Snopes does like fact check, not true on some. Listen, it's one thing if there's a semi-plausible line meant to deceive and it's funny. It's another thing if someone writes a story claiming CNN buys washing machines to put news into. It's like physically not a thing. Like news is, is, is ideas. They're spun, you know, in framing, not physically pulled from the brain. You know, actually, it would have been really funny if Babylon B showed, um, what's that thing from uh, Harry Potter? The pensive. That would have been funny. C- CNN buys pensive to, to manipulate memories. Anyway, you get the point. I'll leave it there. CNN, you fake news. Uh, I got a couple more segments coming up in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. When Trump derangement syndrome goes bad, I've got two stories for you. And I'm going to start with the light story because admittedly, the second story is shocking. And I want to make sure you have a warning that it is really seriously shocking. It's not like you've got kids sitting around. It's not a good story. But these are stories about uh, uh, people with Trump derangement syndrome doing really bad things. The first story, man choked girlfriend because she asked him to stop watching impeachment trial. Why? Yes. His Trump derangement syndrome was so severe that after watching Adam Schiff say for the 83rd time the exact same thing, he was still addicted to listening to that sweet, sweet serenade of Adam Schiff's voice. And so when his girlfriend tried to shut off that siren song of Adam Schiff, this man snapped and he choked her out. I kid you not. Now, I'm kidding. Adam Schiff's voice is not a siren song. It's, in fact, quite the opposite. Is there some kind of mythological creature that sings and its song is so horrifying the sailors flee in random directions? If not, someone please make it. A story from Pluralist. Man choked girlfriend because she asked him to stop watching Trump impeachment. They say a Pennsylvania man assaulted his girlfriend on Tuesday after she told him to turn off the Senate impeachment trial of President Donald Trump because she was tired of watching it. I feel for this poor woman. 
I mean, dude, it's, it's like, let's, let's, let's be real for a second. This dude abused his girlfriend. That's not cool. Okay. I, I know, I know the Trump derangement stuff is like kind of funny, but this is, this is, this is messed up stuff. Like, I don't care if you're watching Trump. I don't care if you're watching Friends. If your girlfriend says, I want to watch something else, you can do an argument. You don't choke her out. That's nuts. So I'm glad that, you know, I think this guy got arrested. We'll see. We'll see. Lonnie Clark, 53, is accused of choking and punching the victim at Northern York County Motel, where he resides. The York Daily Record reported Clark's girlfriend called 911 following the alleged assault. She told police her boyfriend had been drinking all day while watching the trial and was upset. So wait, maybe this is not Trump deranged. I don't know. The victim in, uh, enraged Clark by telling him she wanted to watch something else. Clark allegedly called the woman dumb and stupid and began to curse at her. She told police she sat on Clark's lap to try and talk to him, prompting him to start choking her. The woman escaped Clark's grasp. He pursued and allegedly punched her multiple times. According to police documents, the victim said she was scared to return to the room until police arrived. Responding officers from the Fairview Township Police Department noted red marks on the victim's neck and right cheek, according to the York Daily Record. Clark told police the couple had gotten into an argument and that his girlfriend became aggressive, so he pushed her away. Clark is facing charges of strangulation, simple assault and harassment. He is scheduled to appear in court for a preliminary hearing on February 24th. Clark is currently out on $5,000 bond. Now, I'll be fair. He was upset. I think it's fair to say there's a possibility he's a Trump fan and he was mad at Schiff and Schiff drove and, and, and the, the horrifying uh, bizarro siren song, the, the reverse siren song of Schiff drove this man to sheer insanity, resulting in him striking his girlfriend. No, but in all seriousness, OK, I know, I know. Maybe maybe he was trying to watch this because he's a fan of Trump and he hates Schiff. But I think it's fair to say, based on the attack on the girlfriend, watching impeachment, the dude's got TDS. OK, let's be real. The people I know who like Trump are not watching Adam Schiff over and over and over again, glued to the screen. The people I know who hate Trump are. They are watching, they are listening. And I don't mean most people, I mean the fringe resistance types. So I'll tell you this. This guy, it seems, but maybe, was mad that she wanted him to stop watching impeachment. So he choked her out, chased her down and punched her in the face. Now, this is a silly story. I know. But I'm warning you right now, the next story is gruesome. And again, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to give it a few seconds because this next story is not for the faint of heart. And it's a very, it's a, it's, it's a nightmarish story. If you're, if you're, uh, if you're squeamish and you don't want to hear about something gruesome, you've been warned. Now let's move on. I saved this story for the back end of this. It's, it's from yesterday morning. There was, there was a bit of other, uh, I think it came out a couple days ago, actually. Man allegedly kills pro-Trump boss after argument throws American flag on his body. The suspect is allegedly anti-government and believe it is out to get him. So this dude's clearly crazy. But my general understanding is that they argued over, you know, relative. Well, let me read it first. Let me read it first, because a lot of people have been, have been spreading a lot, a lot of stories about this. Let's see what ABC News has to say, and then we'll talk. They say, a construction worker in Florida has been accused of murdering his pro-Trump boss with a trowel after a political argument on the construction site where they both worked and then throwing an American flag on the man's body. The incident occurred on Monday morning at approximately 10.30 a.m. when emergency dispatchers received a call from co-workers saying Mason Trevor Tony, 28, stabbed and killed their boss. 28-year-old William Stephen Knight on the Florida Turnpike job site, according to arrest affidavit. This is literal Trump derangement syndrome. This man was unwell. He was paranoid. 
got into a political argument with his boss who was pro-Trump. So he killed him. And that's sad, man. But I'll tell you this. This this story made the news. I see it. Why isn't it wall to wall on CNN? Why isn't CNN talking about, you know, a a, a Trump supporter who was murdered by an anti-Trump lunatic? Why is it that if, you know, you, know you, you realize if it was the other way around, it would be the, the, the lead story on every major network. But it's not. I'll tell you this. The Trump supporters are the oppressed minority. Oh, what's that you say? They're white males? Well, hold on. Trump voters didn't win the popular vote. Therefore, they are the oppressed minority. I'm kidding, by the way, but you get the joke, right? I know that all these leftist types are like, how dare you say that Trump supporters are Nazis? They are not oppressed minorities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Calm down making a joke. Let's read. The Orange County Sheriff's Office says that the murder appears related to a political dispute between the men. Knight was a big supporter of Donald Trump while Tony was anti-government. They say Tony is anti-government and very outspoken about his beliefs that the government is bad and out to get him, said Tony's arrest affidavit. When deputies arrived, they found Knight's body lying next to an excavator on the job site with a brand new American flag thrown onto the side of the victim's body that didn't belong to anybody on the site, according to the arrest affidavit. A preliminary report determined that the weapon used to murder Knight was a trowel, according to ABC News, Houston station KTRK. After Tony allegedly killed Knight, he stole a white pickup truck and fled the scene of the crime, but was taken into custody shortly after crashing the vehicle in a brief pursuit in Brevard County, Florida. Police confirmed that Tony was arrested and taken into custody without incident in a statement on social media. Tony is currently being held in Orange County without bond. Now, immediately the left says, it's so dumb, Tim. You never talk about the white supremacists and the neo-Nazis who get arrested and who commit these crimes. That's not true. I do. Here's the thing. When you have a major mass tragedy where a white nationalist, a white supremacist, far right guy, for whatever reason, goes out and commits a major atrocity, wall to wall news coverage. Guess what? I've talked about basically all of them. Why wouldn't I? It's the lead story. So this is what's crazy to me. Every day I look at the news, I try and figure out what I think is the most important, and I arrange my stories on my channels uh, in kind. So today at four, I did a story on the Wuhan virus. It's not political. It's not impeachment, but I felt it was the most important. I don't know if it'll get the most traffic or views. That's not how I decide what stories I want to cover. So typically I've been covering politics, Democrats because of impeachment, but now we've got the Wuhan quarantine. I think that's bigger news. When a far right guy or however you want to describe it commits a tragedy, literally everyone talks about it, including me. And I go over the various issues. How often do these same people complaining cover this? A Trump supporter being murdered on the job site. They don't. They don't talk about it. They're obsessed with the nitty gritty of what an extremist wants to do to other extremists. So we have some stories about recently white nationalists who were arrested because they were talking about going after far left extremists. They wanted to kill them. Yeah, that's horrifying. But to me, I don't care if militant far right, militant far left are going to go battle in the streets for the most part. There's a reason why I wasn't in Charlottesville. I don't care if, you know, the alt right and anti are going to go fight each other. I don't think that's relevant to the American people. There is a reason why I was in Berkeley, where regular Trump supporters were rallying and got attacked by Antifa. Now, there were some white nationalists in Berkeley, too. The point I'm trying to make is everything I've always covered has been about how average people are being affected. This guy's a construction worker, minding his own business, talking about Trump. He's allowed to. And someone with Trump derangement syndrome so so severe, he murdered this guy or the other dude who, who chokes out his girlfriend. You know, what's really funny about the guy choking out his girlfriend is if it was 
if you if you remove Trump from the equation and said woman demands boyfriend change the channel so he chokes her out, that'd be on all these feminist websites. They'd be like, this is an epidemic, men beating women. But because it was Trump derangement syndrome, all of a sudden it's like, well, we understand he was watching impeachment, right? Anyway, here's the point. First of all, I really am not interested in covering the exact same thing as everybody else. It makes no sense. Today in impeachment news, today in impeachment news, and even still, I still cover a lot of these mainstream big stories. So often I'll be like, this story is oversaturated. Literally everyone's talking about it. I'm not interested. I don't find it relevant. In this circumstance, you know the difference is between a lot of the stories I cover about Antifa? Antifa targets regular Americans. They bash people over the head who are Bernie supporters. They are nuts. When a crazy dude takes a weapon and goes into a church or something like that, we all talk about it. Everyone talks about it. So, you know, what's, what's funny is I think the real issue they take with, with, with me covering this stuff is that I cover it because they would prefer the only thing I ever did was complain about, you know, the far right extremists when, and, and completely ignore what the Trump derangement syndrome people are doing, what Antifa is doing. But you get the point. This story is sad, man. I'm, 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 I know I was being silly and a bit irreverent in this, but I, I really do mean I'm, I'm sad this guy lost his life. I, I don't know him. You know, and, and you, can, you can argue about people, you know, often try and uh, say good things about people after they die, but I don't know who this guy is. But I think it's terribly sad we, we, we lost a life, regardless of the reason. And this is a story about a guy who got into a political argument because he liked the president, so the dude literally killed him. Like, that's messed up, man. That's seriously, seriously messed up. I hope, I hope, I hope we don't see escalation in that direction. But I'll, uh, I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. Bernie Sanders is a racist, dare I say, alt-right. Obviously, I'm not serious, but the media is digging into his past, and they've discovered Bernie Sanders once compared Vermont workers to black slaves. Ah, Bernie's racist. Did you know that uh, Bernie Sanders once wrote like an article or like an essay or something about how women fantasize about, about men forcing themselves on them like Bernie did that? You know, it's really funny how the media is, is, is really knives out for Bernie Sanders. And look, man, I will absolutely say Bernie is unfit to be president. He is pathetic and weak. I consider him to be a loser. And, I, and look, you know, I'm not one for insulting people. I am not calling him a loser to get a rise out of anybody or to satisfy my own emotional release. I mean this in the literal sense. Pathetic, not saying it to be mean. I'm saying Bernie Sanders won't even defend his own supporters. And a loser because he keeps getting beaten down, smeared and berated, and he does nothing about it. Quite literally, he is losing. He lost in 2016. He loses today. And apparently he's lost in a ton of his, his, his fights throughout, throughout the, you know, his career. So I can, I can defend him when the media smears him. I think we all understand that. But the dude is just too pathetically weak. That even when his own supporters say, we, we, we want Bernie, Biden's corrupt. Bernie goes, no, 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 no. Biden's not corrupt. I'm so sorry, Joe Biden. Are you serious? Anyway, you know what? I'm going to say this. Bernie deserves it. Bernie deserves to be smeared. You know why? Because he won't stand up for himself. Bernie will not stand up for himself. Therefore, they're going to keep doing it. It's almost like, you know, when you see this like little kid getting bullied and you're like, how about instead of just mumbling and rolling on the ground, if the dude flicks your ear and gives you a wet willy, you kick him in the balls. Don't actually do that. I'm making a metaphor. Don't be violent. Violence doesn't, violence solves some things in certain circumstances, but not in civil domestic circumstances. I, I, I recommend self-defense. So actually, no, maybe I take that back. If someone is attacking you, fight back. Defend yourself. Don't instigate. 
So yes, maybe maybe I was I was wrong to say that. Bernie reminds me of the kid who's being bullied, and then just as he's as he's getting like his ear flicked, he's laughing, going, "Ha, you guys are funny!" As they like push him around and kick him because he's weak. So this is what you get. If you're just gonna sit there and laugh about it while they do it, they're gonna keep doing it. So I'm 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 tired of defending Bernie when he won't even defend his own supporters, when he won't even defend people like me who used to be a supporter. I'm critical of him now, but still willing to defend the guy. Let me let me let me stress that, okay? I have criticized Bernie, but absolutely defended him every time they've lied and, and uh, lied about him and smeared. And I will do the same for anybody. Even you know, like Jen Uger, the Young Turks, they lie about him. The New York Times. I will absolutely come to his defense. The media is crooked, but now I'm tired of it. I'm tired of coming out and being like the media is lying about Bernie again when Bernie literally won't even defend his own supporters. I don't need Bernie to come out. You know, for me, if I if I if I say Biden is corrupt and Bernie is right, and then Bernie spins around and says, "I'm sorry, Joe Biden," I don't care. I'm not going to vote for Bernie. But I'm I'm like, dude, this dude is so weak. His own base gets left hanging. He'd rather side with with corrupt Biden, crooked Joe, creepy Joe. Let's read. They say, in what admittedly is a smear, in recent weeks, Senator Bernie Sanders has criticized his rivals for the Democratic presidential nomination for having too much baggage to win the diverse coalition needed to defeat President Donald Trump in November. But as the Vermont Independent tops national polls for the first time, newly unearthed baggage from his own decades-long political career could call his own past statements and judgment into question. As the leading member of a self-described radical political party, in the 1970s, Sanders repeatedly compared Vermont workers to enslaved black people. According to archival, archival interviews obtained by the Daily Beast, in one 1976 conversation, Sanders told a local newspaper that the sale of a privately held mining company by its founders harkened back to the days of slavery when black people were sold to different owners without their consent and compared the service economy to chattel slavery. Can I just point out how absolutely insane it is to go back, what, like almost 50 years to smear Bernie Sanders? That's insane. Sorry, 1976. How long was it? What, 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 like, you know what, man? That to me is, is insane. Okay, maybe I shouldn't say, well, yeah, almost 50 years. Fine, whatever. I'm, I'm rounding up. You know, sue me. Basically, today, Vermont workers remain slaves in many, many ways, Sanders said in another interview in 1977, in which he compared the burgeoning service industry in the nearly all white state to the enslavement of African Americans at the nation's founding. The problem comes when we end up with an entire state of people trained to wait on other people. At the time, Sanders was the chairman of the Liberty Union Party, a Vermont offshoot of the Socialist People's Party. Oh, really? The future senator and presidential hopeful had run for statewide office as the party's nominee twice, once for U.S. Senate in 1972 and once for governor in 76. When he garnered garnered 6% of the vote, those bids were unsuccessful, but the message in his interviews was not dissimilar from that of his 2020 presidential campaign, with an emphasis on working class solidarity and the disruption of a corrupt political elite enabled. He said in the 1976 article, a handful of billionaires who control the economic and political life of the nation. Your average person is thoroughly disgusted and turned off to the political and economic structure as it now exists in America, Sanders told the Rutland Daily Herald on October 8th, 1976, but has been led to believe there is no alternative or that the only alternative is a political system like the Soviet Union's. But Sanders' previously unreported comparisons between the conditions of Vermont workers and that of enslaved people evoke a different element of his campaign, assertions by critics 
that he tends to view the systemic racism primarily through the lens of economic disenfranchisement. Isn't it funny? Bernie actually has done really, really poorly among the black community. I don't know where he is now, but I know in 2016, he actually did decently bad. Bernie's base, guess what? His core supporters, upper class white progressives. I'm sorry, but it's just true. It just, it's just true. In fact, I did a story about how Hispanics are being scared by people like AOC and Bernie into voting for Trump because many of them fled socialist countries like Venezuela or Nicaragua or Cuba. Now you have Bernie coming along and they're freaking out. So Bernie is actually losing a lot of the minority vote in various ways. Quote, the racial wealth gap lingers in part because the politicians who could close it are funded by the very corporate donors who continue to benefit from it, Sanders wrote in an illustrative op-ed in the Washington Post. As long as corporations can rely on the indifference to black lives as a cover for their exploitation, they will continue to do so. In the first interview published in 76, when Sanders was the Liberty Union Party's nominee for governor, the future senator responded to the announced sale of the century-old Vermont Marble Company to a Swiss conglomerate by calling for worker, worker control of businesses, calling it absolutely absurd that the family that owned Vermont Marble could have the unilateral right to sell the company without the approval of its employees. He was a socialist, go figure. We believe ultimately that companies like Vermont Marble should be owned by the workers themselves, and that workers, not a handful of owners, should be determining policy. If a worker at Vermont Marble has no say about who owns the company, he, uh, he, company he works for, and that major changes can take place without his knowledge and consent, how far have we really advanced from the days of slavery when black people were sold to different owners without their consent? Bravo, Bernie Sanders! 50-year-old comments coming back to roost. How absolutely insane. You know, I think it's really funny that it's, it tends to be the left doing this, digging up old comments to smear people. Remember that race car driver who lost a sponsorship because his dad said the N-word like in the 80s before he was born? Like, Welcome to the new world. It's the Democrats and the left that are digging up insane comments. So I'll tell you something, Bernie supporters. When the Trump supporters and intellectual dark web types started complaining about this practice. Where were you? Some of you were there. I know. Some of you. Okay. I, I know. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to uh, completely ignore this. There are some people who are Bernie supporters who are very anti-SJW. It's true. There's actually a lot of them. So I can respect that. I can respect that. And what I mean by SJW, it's like the anti-authoritarian types, not like specifically against social justice. I mean, you know, you, you uh, calling out the authoritarian manipulation and stuff like that. They exist. There's the Bernie people. They do that. That's true. But right now, when, when, when they dig up old comments to get people fired, where were you? Yeah, well, now they're doing it to you. And you know what? I think to a certain extent, Bernie, I'm going to say it, he deserves everybody gets. Bernie Sanders supporters sat back while the Trump supporters complained and, and the IDW types and the moderates complained about media manipulation and lies. In fact, many Bernie supporters jumped on the bandwagon of Trump is you know, the enemy of the people because he's targeting the press and stuff like that. When Trump said the press is the enemy of the people, you get the point. Now that it's happening to you, all of a sudden now there's this expectation that moderates, IDW types, and, and conservatives are going to jump to defend you. Well, to an extent, yes, absolutely. Free speech, no matter what, even if you're someone who, who didn't stand up before, for sure. But now I'm just going to let you know, you reap what you sow. You absolutely reap what you sow. First, they come for, you know, so-and-so, then, they, you, know, you, know, you know the poem. I don't, I, I don't want to actually say the poem, but you, know, you get the point. First, they come for conservatives, then they come for moderates, then they come for you been happening. It's really funny. And what do they say? They say Tim Pool shares his views with conservatives at social media companies, blah, blah, blah. 
but they do. And I know that as soon as the social media companies ban the conservatives, I'm next in line. That's why I call it out. And now that Bernie is being torn up from the ground up, maybe you'll learn your lesson. But um, yeah, you get the point. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. on this channel, podcast every day at 6.30, and I will see you all next time.